Um, <clears throat> we've been looking at the attributes of God. I asked the same question again. Who said, my Lord and my God? <laughs> Thomas. And he meant it. <laughs> he, re- he meant it. And we need to get to the point in our lives where we say, my Lord and my God. He guides me. He directs me. He takes me through this life. And to know, as Paul said, to know him, the fellowship of his suffering and the things that he mentions in Philippians there. So <clears throat> we've been looking at what God is like. Before that, we looked at two sermons on denials in the last days, and now we're looking at doctrine. And we started with looking at God. We've seen his omniscience. He knows all. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. And Psalm 139 is a classic in the first and second half, first half particularly about his omniscience, his holiness we've looked at. And um, it's more than the absence of evil. Uh, Like we said, what does it mean to be healthy? It means to be more than not sick. It means means to be able to get around and do things. And more than the absence of sin is holiness. It's a positive, healthy state of being right then we looked at God is just and that wonderful portion of scripture in Romans chapter 3 how can God be just and the justifier of sinners how can he overlook sin he is holy he is perfect but he can because of Jesus Christ's sacrifice and he is just and righteous all these carry with it with them obligations upon us and implications to us because if we're his children these things are to be evident in our lives uh, we're now, well so the, the ones that we can we can't be omniscient some scientists think they are but they are long shot short of that aren't they they don't know everything <clears throat> they know so little you know what Einstein said now you know, you know Einstein smart fellow <clears throat> he said, I, I know less of 1% of 1% of all knowledge. So, you know, if he, he, he recognised that, what a, where are we? <laughs> Praise God, the knowledge of the Holy One. Excuse me, I'll turn this thing off. <laughs> knowledge of the Holy One is life, isn't it? And, and, and to know him, you know, you can know everything down here, but if you don't know God, you've really lost the whole purpose of of what life is about and the purpose of life. <clears throat> Excuse me. I always do that before I get up here, but I didn't. God is love. God is love. And that's borne out in scriptures, particularly by John, the apostle. <clears throat> and he still was saying that when he was 90 years old. <laughs> God is love. And, and I think as you grow older, you appreciate that more because you realise your sinfulness and the deeds of life have gone and happened and, and then you say, oh, Lord, thank you. And he has compassion on us. But he also, if we're going to love, we have to have the correcting side as well, compassion and correction. And I say, and I've said, that most people just emphasise in modern churches today just the compassion of God. But if you love, you will correct. 
And God does the correction too. Have you had the chastening hand of God upon you? That's for your benefit. That's in Hebrews 12. We've looked at God is true. What is truth? And he was asking the right person, Pilate was. He's standing right there before him. I am the way, the truth, and the life, the Lord Jesus. And the implications of that are wonderful when you think of, think of that. God is free. He's free. He's independent of anybody and anything, but he's not free to sin because his other attributes govern that. And we looked at that thought. God is omnipotent, and this is one we closed with last time. He's all-powerful. We are not. Some of these we can be because we're made in the image of God. Ah, isn't it wonderful to say, I'm free, <laughs> free from the burden of sin and free to make a choice. We'll deal with that maybe next week. The free will of man is very important. We're created in his image and you can go and talk to an unsafe person and witness to them and just say, look, your choice, you are free God will not compel you to be one of his. That's a choice. That's part of the nature by which God has made us. And he doesn't. If you look back through your life and my life, you, you'll say, God does not compel us. He urges us. He invites us. He behoves us. He does all these things. He beckons us. And, you know, he, he said of Israel, how... how how often would I have gathered you? He, he said of Israel, you know, this is my strange work. My strange work is judgment. He didn't want to, but I must. I must. And he's, God is free, and he lets his people be free. He, let the, he let, created the angels free to make a choice. A third of them made a wrong choice, didn't they? And they can never go back on that. Praise God, we're born sinners, and we can make a choice to believe on the Lord Jesus. God is, yes... Omnipotent. The practical implications of that are, are great. For his, the gospel is the power of God, the dunamis, the dynamite of God unto salvation, and that's used in several. Now God is infinite. God is infinite and eternal. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that you are who you declare to be, and fully so in every aspect of these attributes. Lord, we're just mere mortals. He looks down on the earth, you look down on the earth, and covered with ants, people everywhere. But Lord, you're concerned about each and every individual. You know each one personally. You know their thoughts. How precious are thy thoughts toward us. And Lord, I pray as we think of these attributes that we would bow our knee and give praise to you for what you are, who you are, and what you're doing and what you've done. Bless those that are not here today with good health. Heal them and bring them back. Those that are travelling in faraway places, be with them. Lord, protect them. Guide them on the road, in the air, wherever they be, Lord. We ask and pray your blessing on our service today for your glory and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> God is infinite and eternal and we've said things about this before about the lord we're constantly reminding ourselves <clears throat> can a human comp our mind can a human mind comprehend this concept without 
termination. Without end, without beginning, no limit. God is not bound by the limitations of the succession of events or by being like we are finite. His existence, his eternality extends backward. Backward, I always go that way. Forward and forever. He sees the past and future as clearly as he sees the present. God lives in the eternal present. Now, try to wrap your mind around that. Because we get up in the morning, go to bed, and we get older and we die. You know, time, time, time. But God is not like that. He sees it all there. You know, that verses like a thousand years with the Lord is as one day. And one day is a thousand years. It's, you try to think what God is like. He is infinite. And I always use, I never forget some things in life. I forget a lot. I was in the chemistry class. I forgot a lot. I did pass, just. <laughs> but one thing the teacher said wasn't on the exam. He talked about infinity. And he said, draw a line, put, put, a, you know, put a line out there, and where does it end? I put a beam of light, okay? That beam of light keeps going. Every time you shine the spotlight round at an aeroplane or something, no, don't do that, <laughs> that beam goes, and it's gone. From the stars, they go. And it's out there. But where does it end? Where does it stop? <laughs> Voyager 1 is 24 million. There's a billion. I don't know. Billion, billion. billion thank you. Billion. Out there. Beyond our solar system. And it's sending back information and winds and particles that are in the air. Incredible. 22 and a half hours for the message to come back to us. And, and to send it and tell, do something. It's not going to go around a corner or anything up there. It's just... But that's just a speck. The message going at the speed of light takes 22 and a half hours. But the, the distance, it's infin infinite. God is infinite. Listen to the verses that say, say this. In Psalm 90 and verse 2, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Oh, we've got a lot to learn, haven't we? A lot to see in the new and new body that he'll give us to inhabit eternity. In, in the book of Psalms, 147, verse 13. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. So, so that we can sort of get a little bit of a grasp on it. It speaks of generations. And we think of eternity. Infinity. And in Genesis 21, verse 33, it says, And Abraham planted a grove in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord the everlasting, the everlasting God. <clears throat> in Acts 17, 24, God who made the world and all things in it, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands you know when David wanted to build a temple earth is my footstool he said to David you know how can you how can you cage me up and put me in a temple <laughs> you can't God is infinite God is eternal and as we've often referred to the Webb telescope out there James Webb 
They're wanting to see what was beyond, beyond the stars, infinity and beyond. They, they'd like to see and get the moment of the Big Bang, they say. <laughs> and uh, because they said it was 12.9 billion light years away, and that's when it happened, but because they say it's expanding, it's now 28 billion in that you've got to get out. And, and God is infinite. God is eternal. You know, think about these things. Think about your Saviour. It's Jesus Christ that created all these things with a word. We ought to bow before him and say, Holy, 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 as we sung, is the Lord. <clears throat> what's beyond the universe is there anything beyond the universe well the bible tells us there is because in 2 Corinthians 12:2, Paul said this he said I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago whether in the body or out of the body I cannot tell God knoweth whether he was in the body or out of the body, and I believe he's speaking about himself. Such a one caught up to the, what did he say? The third heaven. The third heaven. He was stoned at Lystra, and that's, we believe, what happened then. They dragged him out, stoned him. How long did it take him to get to the third heaven? Because before they dragged him back in, <laughs> or he stood up, it was instant, wasn't it? He was there in the third heaven. And you ask yourself, well, where's the third heaven? What is it? Well, the Bible tells us that, doesn't it? In Deuteronomy 14, uh, 10, 14, Behold the heaven, and listen to the way the words are put, Behold the heaven and the heaven of heavens. How many did we just count? Heaven, heaven of heavens. Three, belong to the Lord thy God and the earth also with all that is therein, is therein. That's, that's the Lord. And so Paul caught up to the third heaven. If he hadn't put that in there, we'd still have those verses like in Deuteronomy that talks about the three. But Paul clarified it in the New Testament. I knew a man caught up to the third heaven instantly. You say to infinity and beyond, beyond what's that? Anyway. <laughs> Buzz Lightyear, yeah, that's right. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> he doesn't know what it is. <laughs> the creators of that and the thoughts of that are behind it. <laughs> but that, you see, in the mind of man, where does it end? Where does it end? And they're saying, you know, so many billion years and we're all dead and we're, we're genetically demodified or whatever and, and we won't exist. We'll go over so many... Um, <clears throat> Mistakes in our gene pool, we won't be. Ah, then we'll have AI guys walking around. <laughs> she said, what's going on in this world? How far is the Lord going to let them go in what they're doing? You know, you ring up the Social Security or something, government organisation, businesses today in, you know, a computer. <laughs> and you can't answer them back, you can't ask them questions and, you know, well, they're not good enough yet, they can't... But they're getting them there that they'll be able to start doing this. And the scientists are getting scared now. 
about where this is all going. Praise the Lord. We have the word of God that tells us where it's all going and it's not going to get there to destroying the human, the human race. Here, you know, think of the implications of this eternity, infinity. What are some implications that affect us? Well, that we're involved with. Were we in the time past before our conception? No. We were in the mind of God. But once conceived, we're on our journey to eternity. I had someone ring yesterday about a tract in the mail. I thought, here we go. I'm ready to hold it out here. <laughs> but they weren't like that. <laughs> Do you believe in heaven? And, and uh, what you, heaven and hell, I think they mentioned. And I said, yeah. Heaven, and there's heaven and there's, and there's the other place, I said. He said, hell, you mean? I said, yeah. And then he quoted a verse. I said, well, he knows his Bible a bit, but then, he, then the phone went dead. And I thought, oh, we're just getting started. <laughs> but people know there's, there's something. People have, as we've been given a conscience, the concept. We're made in his image. And that's why every man is without excuse, according to Romans chapter 1. <clears throat> Beyond the universe is the third heaven. As we've already looked at in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 2. First Kings 8.27 says, But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, and again it's given like it was before in the other reference in Deuteronomy. Behold, the heaven of the heavens of the heavens cannot contain him. One, two, three. Cannot contain thee. How much less this house that I have built? You know, these Old Testament saints had a concept of God and understood it. That this is it and the revelation of God to them. Praise the Lord for that. Well, the practical implications of this are given in that simple verse that we have in John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him, what's the next? Hath everlasting infinite eternal life that's it that's where we're involved you ready for the trip <laughs> have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ are you born again have you received the Lord Jesus as your saviour because this trip could start at any time and way back when I was only a young fella there was we had preachers from America and they were really gung-ho you know evangelist type people and I was, you know, and there's a fellow up there giving an invitation. He's going, well, the bang's better here. <laughs> Your heartbeat. And he, he's given the invitation all the time through, and then he stops. And then it's over. It's over. You're out into eternity, infinity and beyond. You're, and as if you're a Christian, where will you then be? Immediately. It doesn't take... The Voyager trip <laughs> to go 24 billion, it's out there instantly. Absent from the body, the Bible says, and present with the Lord. You see, as you read through the Bible and put all these together, you say, this is wonderful, that I'm going to last for eternity. But if you're not saved, if you're not saved, you go out into eternity, and as... In the Gospel of Luke, it tells us the rich man died and he went to 
hell, a, ho a, a holding place there until the great white throne judgment where all unsafe people will be brought before the judgment and condemned to eternity in the lake of fire. And as you read through, you know, Gehenna, Hades, hell, and uh, the lake of fire, all the references to hell and, and understand where that is referring to and what period of time they are going, going to, not as Seventh-day Adventists and others try to say, well, God wouldn't send anyone to a place like that forever. They'll be annihilated. They won't be annihilated. I am tormented in this flame. The, even though he didn't have a, a, a body that was resurrected, he still had some form that he could feel, he could think, he could say what he said. And for unsaved people, that's your eternity. You don't want to even think about it. You know, we think, where was the earthquake last night or was it yesterday afternoon? Morocco. Morocco. You know, 1,000, 1,200 so far that had died like that. Out into eternity. No time to prepare. Too late. Left it too late. Not all of them, I pray, went there to hell but some, some of them were Christians pray for the people there poor, poor countries with poor buildings that fall down in these things out into eternity and in John's, <coughs> John's gospel chapter 10 and verse 27 it reads <coughs> my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them what is it eternal life and they shall never perish Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father who gave them to me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Wonderful implications of infinity, eternal, eternity, is that we'll be there to enjoy that. That's God's intention all the time. You read those last verses, or one of the last verses in Revelation, it's in the last chapter, maybe the second last, that God will dwell among them that's been his intent he wants us to be there he wants those and only those who willingly freely choose he doesn't want people that are compelled to or arm twisted and you're going to get saved whether you want it or not no he's, he's going to have those that have a free will there God is not only infinite and eternal this morning but God is immutable immutable and what does it mean that word it just means unchanging he doesn't grow he doesn't develop he doesn't learn that's him and has been he for eternity past and future or <laughs> eternal present there's no variableness with god <clears throat> in james chapter 1 and verse 17 and you can look these up i don't know if they're in the outline i think i only put a few there but Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no what? Variableness. Just consistent, consistent, nor shadow of turning. I put it down. He cuts it straight. Straight. There's no shadow of turning. He doesn't change. Aren't you glad? <laughs> he doesn't change. Malachi 3.6 says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Ye sons of Jacob, therefore, are not consumed. 
Psalm 102 verse 27. Thou art, but thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. And then go to the book of, that we read from this morning. God, the, through the Isaiah making a mock in Isaiah 46, of these dead, wooden, unmovable idols. They just, you know, call them gods. People bow down to them all over the world, even today. And in this portion of scripture, chapter 45 and 40, and, and I didn't look back, but right in 45 and 46, I am God, there is none else. I am God, there is none like me. You look at and colour those bits in through these portions of scripture. As Isaiah had a, an understanding of the Lord was given to him by revelation. But verse 9 and 10 of what Bernie read earlier, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. In verse 10, declaring <clears throat> the end from the beginning, and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> the things that are done are done. He knew they would happen. The things that are going to happen will happen and it's all said and done it's all in god's eyes it's all stitched up <laughs> because of his full knowledge and understanding and we down here fret ourselves as we go through life <laughs> but god did and we change don't we we should change if we haven't changed because we are to be transformed into his image to be like the lord Romans 12, 1 and 2 talks about that. Other portions in Thessalonians talks, I mean, Corinthians talks about that. We need to change to be like him because we're coming from a very low base, aren't we? <laughs> we're sinners and we need to be made like, an un, like unto him in progressive sanctification. <clears throat> what about verses in the Bible say people, when you say God is unchanging where it says God repented <laughs> you see you've got a problem if you don't understand what that means that God repented <clears throat> well there's a few verses we need to turn to in Genesis did he? did he change his mind? uh oh we've made a mistake here now the Godhead has a, has a conference and says well what do we do now? Do you think God is like that? Knowing all the other attributes? Of course he's not. <laughs> and, and we'll give you an explanation in a moment. But in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5 and 6, it says there, And God saw the wickedness of man back in Noah's day it was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. <laughs> Listen to the media today. Are we there? Almost. Only evil continually. Praise God, there are some roundness still hold hold truth to be dear. And it what does it say there? Repented the Lord that he had made man on earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Did it catch God by surprise that this was going to happen? We know he's he knows everything. He's foreknowledge. No, it didn't. And then, 
in Jonah, Jonah chapter 3 and verse 10. It says there, And God saw their works. This is the people of Nineveh after Jonah preached. They turned from the evil way, and God repented of the evil that he had said he would do unto them, and did it not. But he did do it a hundred years later. <laughs> because they went back in back on their belief and understanding of the Lord and their repentance. <clears throat> you see, God doesn't change, but as we look at these verses, we might think he does. First Samuel, and I've just been reading through this portion of scripture, chapter fifteen, about Saul the king. And we read in First Samuel fifteen twenty nine, there that and also the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent, for he is not a man that he should repent. Okay? We're getting all these verses built up here. And Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 26, and three verses in this chapter, it says in verse 3 of Jeremiah 26, If so be they will hearken and turn every man from his evil way, that I may repent of the evil which I purpose to do unto them because of the evil of their doings. And don't go down to verse 13. And it says there, Therefore now amend your ways and your doings and obey the voice of the Lord your God. This is before they went into captivity. You know, change, he's saying to them. And the Lord will repent of the evil that he had pronounced upon or pronounced against you. And then down in verse 19, Did Hezekiah, king of Judah, and all Judah put him at all to death? Did he not fear the Lord and besought the Lord? And the Lord repented of the evil which he had pronounced against them. Thus might we procure great evil against our souls. And so giving that example there as Jeremiah did. Now, <clears throat> If these verses are understood to mean that there actually was a change in God's plan, that means he's not immutable. Then he's either not immutable or he's not sovereign. But if such verses refer only to the revelation or unfolding of God's plans to men, then it can be said that although his plan does not change, as man, as man views its unfolding, it seems to involve change. In other words, God's repentance is only from our viewpoint. Therefore, it is only apparent repentance as his eternal and unchanging plan is worked out in human history. And so that's the understanding of that. But God doesn't change. Well, getting to the practical implications of this, this attribute of God. It says... In Second Corinthians chapter one and verse two, for all the promises of God in him are ye, and in him amen, unto the glory of God by us. All the purpose he will not change, he will not change about some very important things regarding our ourselves. He will not change in regard to our eternal salvation, will he? No. He will not and some people believe this, you can lose your salvation. And, and I think some independent Baptists might even teach that. 
And <clears throat> he will not change regarding our eternal salvation. Romans 8 tells us of our eternal security and other portions of Scripture. We eternally, he won't change his, <clears throat> his mind. When your child disobeys and when your teenager gets that rebellious streak in them that you just can't seem to get out, do you say, not my child, get out of here? Well, you're very, you're not like God in doing that. God will not kick us out when we sin, out of salvation. He will not say, you're not my child anymore. But he will do what he has promised to do. He will discipline us and he will chastise us and he will bring things into our life to bring us back to that road. And no chastening seems for the present time to be joyous. It's not good to go through it. For the what, for, and if God keeps doing and doing and doing it in your life, you need to stop and say, Lord, what is it, Samuel? Um, speak for thy servant heareth. <laughs> what do you want me to correct? Which way am I going wrong here? I'm only mortal, show me. But he's not going to divorce you. He's not going to say you're not my child anymore. Just as we can't say a child has disobeyed and gone off the right rails and that, you can't say you're not my child anymore. Because they are, whether you like it or not. Whether it's embarrassing or not, it's, they're your children. And, and God keeps us. Salvation, security, eternity. God is immutable. He doesn't change. You think of the gods of the world, the wooden gods and the Buddhas and the things like that. You know, <clears throat> they all, The people that live under the, these gods are always in fear, you know. In fear that something might happen. They might get angry and they will kill me and they'll destroy me and I'm obliterated and I'm gone. Ah, not our God. He's unchanging. God is omnipresent. The, thir the third one we look at this morning. Everywhere present. Pantheism says God is in everything. Huh. It's different, different to omnipresent. God is everywhere present though separate from the world and the things of it. And you know, where, whither shall I go? Whither, whither shall I hide from thy presence? Um, <clears throat> there are degrees of the manifestation of his presence. When we think of it through scripture, you can see that there is manifestations of his presence. Back in the book of Exodus, chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, it says there, now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock on the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God in Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the angel of the Lord, the Lord Jesus, appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will go now, turn aside and see this great sight why the bush is not burnt and when the Lord saw that he turned aside got his attention God called out unto him out of the midst of the bush and said Moses Moses and he said here am I and he drew near now <clears throat> you see God is omnipresent but on occasions he manifests himself to mankind and he did this here to Moses on this occasion the burning bush if you go over to Exodus chapter 19 and it wasn't just to one individual, this is to a whole nation, a newly born nation, as it were, born out of Egypt. And in 
Exodus chapter 19 and verse 18, it reads, And Mount Sinai was altogether in a smoke, because the Lord descended upon it. When he descended upon that, when he was in the burning bush, does that mean he wasn't still everywhere present? No. This is a manifestation of the Lord's presence to people. And, <clears throat> and the smoke therefore ascended up as the smoke of a great furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the voice of the, of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him by a voice. And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain, and the Lord caused Moses up to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. And, and the Lord said unto Moses, Go down, charge the people, lest they break through unto the Lord. Did they? When that was happening, do they, oh, let's go and have another look? No, they backed off, you know. They, whoa, this is, this is a manifestation of God on occasion, but it doesn't mean he wasn't everywhere else also. Around the rest of the world and the rest of the people and out in the universe, God is everywhere present. He's om, omnipresent. And <clears throat> we could refer to Isaiah's vision. We won't turn there. Isaiah chapter 6, I saw the Lord... You know, sitting in his throne, high and lifted up, he said there. And the one in Revelation I like is the, the Apostle John. When he was banished to the Isle of Patmos, he turned to see the voice that spoke with him in verse 12 of chapter 1. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. And it goes on and describes the Lord Jesus in presence there in his glory. Um, <clears throat> so there are manifestations of God, but it doesn't mean that he is restricted just to that one place. Do unsaved people realize his presence? Do they know that he's everywhere present? Do they know that he's looking on? Hey, we, we, we put security cameras up everywhere now so we can find the crook. You know. Find the thief, that's better. Brother Crook, <laughs> I just can't help it. Where's the Australian language? But <clears throat> we do that for purpose because we weren't there. We need somebody that was there that witnesses or witnessed the occasion. God is always present. You know, the, you see the people breaking into houses and the cameras, images they've got them, they're sort of a bit grainy and black and white. And they're sneaking around and looking. You can see they're on, on high alert in case they get caught being doing, doing what they are. But now they're just plain bold and bash into the house and come and beat you up. In bigger cities it's happening. I pray it doesn't come here. But that, <clears throat> that as you, you see them, you think they think they're getting away with it. They think they're not being seen. But God is omnipresent and he sees everything that's why on the judgment day for the Christian he sees all we do and the judgment day for the unbeliever it'll all come out it'll all be evident Psalm 139 a wonderful psalm and the last part of that in 7 through to 12 whither this explains it exactly whither shall I go from thy spirit or whither shall I flee from thy presence if I ascend up into heaven thou art there if I make my bed in the in Sheol or hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness, you know, the thief or whatever, will cover me, 
even the night shall be light about me. You know, it's like little children. If, if I can't see you, you can't see me. They put their head under a blanket and say, no, I still see you. <laughs> and we try to hide from God. No, we can't. No, we can't. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day, and the darkness as the light are, are both alike unto thee. Mark that one down for the omnipresence of God. Vividly portrayed there. And in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 23, it says, Am I a God at hand, saith the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord? And in the book of Revelation, early chapters, the, the people, the kings, the rich men, the poor man, the rulers, all hiding themselves in the dens and the rocks of the mountains and say what? Hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne. What, what foolishness. Why not just repent and get saved and, and come, in out, come out into the light of God? But they say hide us. They know who it is <laughs> from the wrath of the Lamb. They say it. But that's early in the tribulation. These things are said. God is omnipresent. You can't get away from his watching eye. The practical implications, if, if someone, God, is watching my every move and hearing my every word that I say and knowing my every thought that I think, we better behave ourselves. <laughs> we better behave ourselves. He's everywhere present. God is ear and his eye opened to these things. In First Thessalonians chapter 2, and verse 10, ye are witnesses and God also how holy and justly and unblameable we behaved ourselves amongst you. Let's behave ourselves. God is omnipresent and all the other thing, the attributes of the Lord. And First Timothy 3.15, but if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God and the pillar and the ground of the truth. Behave ourselves as though he were present, as though our Heavenly Father was here because he is here, is he not? In 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 7, it says, For ye yourselves know how ye... Whoops, skipped a page. Ye yourselves know how ye ought to follow us, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. Behave yourselves. That's an, a practical implication of this. He hears, he sees, he knows these things about us. And there's many more. Our time has run out. Think of those three this morning. He's infinite and eternal. He's immutable, unchangeable. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere present. You can't get away from the Lord. Nobody Nobody, not Mr. Putin, not Mr. Biden, or anybody. No matter how great or big or important or rich they are, they're not going to escape the gaze of God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that it's so plain for us to see. But, Lord, how this should change what we think, how we behave. We're not hiding these things from you. All these things have been written in a book. And thank you, Lord, that when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, all the sinful deeds are scrubbed out. We're washed as white as snow. 
But Lord, we pray for the unsafe person whose works will judge them on that great, great day of God Almighty at the great white throne. Oh Lord, may they turn now. May they believe now and not leave it another second because they could go out into eternity. Bless the thoughts and strengthen and encourage us from who we know you are and how you love us. In Jesus' name, amen.